What's the game-changing realization that helped you build a high-performing team? That question is at the center of every episode of the HR Impact Show. Every HR professional wants to build a team that has empowered managers, engaged employees, and an organization that's striving to become elite. The challenge is that you're often told to do more with less. We're gonna fix that. Every week, we will feature executive and senior HR leaders from across the country, and they will share with us their actionable insights and best practices that can help empower you to create an engaged elite workforce. Here's the show. Thanks for joining us today on the HR Impact Show. I am your friendly neighborhood talent strategy nerd, Dr. Jim. And today we're going to learn why just because there's uncertainty in your environment doesn't mean that you can't create a culture of honest communication and trust. That honesty can't be built without alignment at all levels within your organization. So that's going to be a really important lesson that we're going to learn today. And the person that's going to walk us through that journey is joining us. He's a 20-year HR veteran. He's the current CHRO of Summit Electric Supply. He started as an HR generalist and had some significant career progression and is now a CHRO. He's basically spent almost a decade in various people leadership roles in HR. Carlton, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dr. Jim. Nice to see you. I know that there is only so much that we can cover about your 20-year HR career in a relatively short amount of time. I want you to get the audience up to speed uh, a little bit more about your story, what you've seen in all those years, and anything else that you feel is important for them to connect uh, with you and your experience that's going to inform this conversation. Um, thanks for having me again. So like you said, appreciate the introduction. So 20 years um, of HR professional work. Started out recruiting generalist work, and through the years, I was fortunate enough to be able to navigate through a couple different patterns from an HR pr perspective, including doing some time in compensation and benefits and a little bit of a walkthrough from an L&D perspective. So it gave me a chance to round out and see a, a, a wide variety of HR piece. And like you mentioned, for the last 10 plus years, really in, in senior HR leadership roles for, prior to coming to Summit Electric, 10 years with a company called TT Electronics, which is headquartered in the UK and, and a multinational company, really focusing on people leadership through different geographics around the world. And then the last year as a CHRO here at Summit Electric Supply, the focus for us really here um, for me is around building a culture where we can win, um, but also working on employee engagement and helping set up some HR strategy, people strategy pieces for us as we look on a growth journey that we're, we're, um, we're on today. There's something really interesting about your HR career trajectory. If, if, if I heard you correctly, you started out on the recruiting side of it, and then you spent some time in compensation benefits and L&D. Pretty safe to say that you have some pretty decent exposure across all areas of the employee life cycle. With that broad exposure to all the different stages of the employee life cycle, how did that influence your overall people strategy when you're thinking about how you build your teams, how you develop your teams? One of the pieces for me that's been interesting starting out in recruiting, but then a lot of time early on in formative years in a generalist world, we're still trying to find where things are and how to do the basics. The, the, the talent strategies have changed in the last 20 plus years, obviously, with some of the changes we've gone through and some of the market crash in 2008. But then also, most recently, what everyone's dealing with from a COVID perspective, we're, we're seeing a gap of talent when it comes to the upskilling sides of it. So a lot of availability of talent moving around, but we have some, some gaps on talent. 20 years ago, when you're going out to look for a manager job or from an individual contributor role, and you're trying just to find out the skills match. I have these skills I need for this job. 
what are the skills in the marketplace and try to match it, right? The early days using monster.com or things like that. And you pretty easy from a recruiter standpoint to bounce them. Now you really have to do as much of work on, I think the soft skills, the personal skills, and the things that are going to really make up their ability from a potential standpoint um, to grow into the role and help the company move forward. We don't have the luxury, I think, anymore of just hiring for a very set of skills. We have to take the intangibles in and really look at the makeup of the person. The motivating factors of that, I think, really has been a bigger change, especially over the last five or six years, we look from a talent perspective. There's an important lesson in what you just mentioned, and I want to highlight it a little bit. It sounds like what you're saying is people leaders of any stripe, when they're looking at building out their teams, they need to get away from this fixed idea of, hey, I'm going to hire a person that checks all of these boxes on my description and bring them in. You should be looking at and evaluating people based off of what their potential is and their aptitude, attitude, sort of soft skills and potential as the hiring criteria. Am I understanding that correctly? Yeah, you have to weigh both. And I think where I work with my people leaders a lot, and especially currently as we're looking to grow, we have to find ways to be different. And if we're just taking somebody that's already got the same set of skills and assuming those are fully transferable to our culture, our work format, our style. I think there's a lot of opportunity for miss, both from the company expectation side, but also from the employee expectation side. I think we really have to work at understanding what the other makeup of that candidate is and that, that potential employee and how they fit into the organization. And one of the pieces I think is going to help differentiate any employer, very partition, particular to Summit Electric, is that soft skill makeup of how they're going to help us really advance and take the next step. I think that's where really when we talk about from a people strategy piece, that's the part of maybe I can find somebody that's got the soft skill and tangibles, the culture side of it, the, the approach, the motivation, the, the potential for aptitude to grow, but they might be lacking in certain skill sets. Can we give them those skill sets with the different tools we have available? Maybe it's some of the technology, AI coming around a bit more. How do we use those skills? Because I can replicate that to a degree. I can't replicate motivation, drive, aptitude, desire. Those things I can't replicate. So if I can find those things in the intangible side, can I build and, and develop the, the technical skill maybe in some areas? Let's dive into the conversation. And I want to get to that great game-changing realization that you had. The main one that we're going to talk about is rooted in this idea of building a culture of honest communication, building a, a culture of trust. But before we dive into the how, Give us a little bit of context in the type of environments that you were working in and what you were facing in those environments that set the stage for this sort of philosophy of trust building and communication. I'll, I'll try to be mindful of talking and oscillating between two different, two different companies. Obviously, the last 10 years for me was at TT Electronics. So the last year, literally 12 plus months, has been with Summit Electric. And so the journey is a bit different here with Summit as we're still working on some of those pieces. So I'll talk about a little bit between both. I think they're relative to this topic. So if I look at prior life at TT Electronics, one of the things we did talk about quite a bit was on our growth journey, where we were trying to go, what we wanted to do. One of the things we needed to, from a leadership team, was really buy into what our strategy was, how did we feel like we needed to get there from an execution perspective, and really make sure from our leadership team first, we're talking about building high-performing team, that means the leadership team has to have a buy-in together. We're going to be the one working through the messaging. Once, you, once we worked through some of those different challenges um, of where we wanted to go, how we wanted to get there, and more importantly, why we wanted to do that, right? It's then start building, and I don't like talking so much about a change management process because I feel like change management is something you have to build into your regular strategy plans or any, of anything you're taking on. 
there shouldn't be, a, I'm going to pick up the change management process and work through that. It should be about how we're building our plans um, to bring people along for the journey. We really needed to work on building that trust relationship. In a lot of cases, some of the leaders had been with the business for a good number of years and had a good base of trust within their kind of framework of org leadership. What we wanted to do was really convince a wider audience, both within our division, but also within the wider company of why investment dollars needed to be with us or how they needed to be spent. And then work on how do we communicate that to wider populations of how we wanted to execute that strategy. And so one of the things we talked a lot about um, through that journey over the last couple of years was not promising too much, not committing to do too much, but really find ways that we can show step improvements. So we say we're going to do this. We have to execute on it. You do that a couple of times and you start building that trust of what they said they're going to do. They're going to follow through. That doesn't always have to be from a business perspective, right? It could be, I want to grow 10% and you find ways, put a plan together, grow 10%. But I think it's also, we talk about developing people. If we're going to talk about developing people, we have to show track record of actually developing people in order to, to win that trust. It's been about committing to whatever the challenge is at hand, communicating the why, how we're going to do it, but then also being very open and transparent with that conversation. I know we'll talk a little bit more about that, but I think to me, one of the ways to be, to gain that trust, to build that team dynamic is when we say we're going to do it, we follow through with it, but we also know not everything has a positive outcome, right? There's going to be some negative in anything we do and change. And so we have to be honest about that and say, we might not know what the outcome is, but if the outcome is like this, it's going to, it could lead to these types of things. And I think being very open and transparent and understanding that there are risks that we're taking as a company and you might be taking as an employee to follow through. I think those are the biggest things. As long as we know and we're open with them, we can help people work through the challenges and we can also find opportunities for them to be successful. So to me, it's been it, a lot of it was around the open transparency of if you just tell everyone it's rainbows and sunshine, we're, we're realistic and we know it's not the case. So we have to talk about what some of the rainy day might look like and how we're going to surface through that. And I think using that as our framework allowed us to be successful over those number of years from growth. For some of the folks that might be listening to the conversation, that seems pretty basic, but I'd like you to pull out a little bit more on it because the environment that you're in an organization that's a, a multinational or international organization and their growth model had a significant component in it that was growth by acquisition. So when we're talking about building trust, building transparency, holding, holding true to the things that you commit to. That sounds great. And that seems pretty basic. How did you manage to do that in an environment where it's a heavy acquisition model? When we try to work through some of the challenges of what's the next great thing, what's the next big thing, what's the next change element going to happen, whether it's HR or business, I think we all often look past what the easy answer is because the easy answer, there's a lot of positives to it. But if I look at a couple of examples from an M&A perspective, going through and doing the due diligence as a team, right? So this is a wide team from the acquiring side, working through over many months. We're asking ourselves of, does this fit into our future plans of footprint? Does this fit in our future plans of headcount? Does the technology fit? How does it fit? Why does it fit? So asking all those questions and challenging ourselves was a big piece. I think it also allowed us to play devil's advocate and answer some of the things of where do we expect questions to come from on a potential acquiring employee site? So we spent a lot of time talking through as our internal team, what questions can we anticipate? How would we respond? Do we all agree that's the right response? Are we going to all sign up to that answer? So I think that was a big piece for us. You don't want to ask one person and get one answer and ask somebody else the same question and get a different answer because we're losing trust in that process. And so one of the things is making sure that we all understand 
and agree to what our outcomes are, um, what our plans are. And so for us, when we went through an acquiring process, we also had conversations with the acquiring leadership and ownership to say, here's our thoughts, here's our plans. And we spent time having those conversations about people, products, places, all those things to test it out. We weren't trying to gain necessary buy-in. We weren't trying to get a sway one way or the other. It was trying to be, how is this going to read? Where are the other questions going to come from? We did want to make sure we were being very open and transparent. So then when it came time to announce day one of acquisition, and you're now part of our family, being able to answer those questions flat out, straight, very open and honest. In a lot of cases, doing so without the questions have to be posed. So we're volunteering the questions and the answers to start off the conversations because some people don't want to ask those questions that are on their minds. And so let's just start the conversation. Let's prime the well to get them going. And so I think that was a big piece for us. Then after that, it's a, that sounds nice. It's nice to be part of a bigger company, but we're going to wait and see because we don't know you. We don't believe in you. And so we really don't know if this is something that we can trust or buy into yet. We're scared for our jobs, for our family. I'd like how you called out the, the last part of it where, Hey, we don't know you. We're going to wait and see and see how it shakes out because that's pretty common as part of the group that gets acquired. One, what were the things that you did to show the folks that were acquired or show the team that was acquired, here's how we're centered, here's how we operate. And then the, the other part of that question is, how did that show up in those exit conversations? There's a couple of things in there we can talk through without getting too specific about certain events. I I think one thing is um, I was blessed to be part of a great leadership team, both from a senior team above me, but also my peers um, working through the process. And one of the things we always tried to do was lead with where our company's vision and values were. So one of the things we looked at in in an opportunity um, always was from an acquiring perspective, does their culture, do their values, do their roadmap of where they're trying to go as a company align to where we are trying to go? It's a lot easier to bring somebody in when those two things look similar or feel similar and look, feel the same. So that was one of the pieces we did, we did quite extensively um, in our work of, do their values match up with our values? Do their culture match up with our culture? Do they have the kind of same things inherent to them that's made them successful and made them attractive for us to want to acquire them, fit to where we're going? So I think that's one of the key things of having leadership that does believe in it and make sure that we're looking for that alignment and fit. I think the other thing you talked about or you asked about was around not everyone's going to be along for the journey after a period of time. And how do you handle some of those conversations that are challenging when people might not be part of the process? And I think each one of those, and I can think of, the, of, of some of the scenarios, we knew going into it that some people might not be. And in a lot of cases, we know who those might be, right? We knew who might not make it for whatever reasons. Some because they said, we don't want to be a part of it going forward. This is our time to, to step aside and let a next group come in. But we handled those with dignity. And so We built those in our instances, we built those into a process of cost. So we factored in doing the right thing by those people so that we were looking at the valuation of the business. Does those make sense for us and that we're treating those people fairly? And in some cases, maybe more than fair in an overall type of communication. We also wanted to make sure that we know that if those people had been loyal from an acquiring perspective to that leadership team or to a leader, that they're going to look at that and see how is that person treated? Because if they can be treated that way, how am I going to be different? And so it's really making sure that when we go through that process, that we're crafting that message together of how we're going to go through an exit piece or how we're going to have a conversation about maybe a different role change even. So not leaving the business, but you're going to do this role now and make sure that everyone's comfortable with it. And again, much like we talked about from an acquiring perspective, that we're all having conversations to agree to what we're going to say 
that everyone has a chance to say, hey, I'm not good with that. I think it should be said this way or done this way so that we all leave that process. We're all communicating the same thing because, again, I think it comes back to the open communication process. What I can say is that through a lot of those acquisitions, we didn't have the exits. We built the process of strategy so that people could stay, but also so that they could grow with us. One of the things we wanted to do was, was find ways to bring people up. So if people see that there's a future and you can make development steps up in your career, and obviously more money comes along with that, maybe do something different in a bigger company. We wanted to make sure that we provide those opportunities as well, because they become good. When we're not in the room, there are advocates for us. They're saying all the things. They talked about this and they've delivered it and it's worked out well for me. And I think that if you buy in, it'll work that way as well for others. I think that to me has been a big thing too, is watching some acquisitions where people that were part of the acquiring team actually really benefit from these new opportunities. And again, you're following through on that development, that career piece. Wow. It's been a great conversation so far. Make sure you join the HR Impact community where we gather a community of HR leaders just like you. This is a space where top people leaders share actionable insights and practical playbooks. Sign up today as a member for the community. Get updates on the latest HR resources and exclusive event invites. You can join the community at www.engagerocket.co slash HR Impact. And now back to the show. It sounds like almost the default mindset of the leadership team was let's try to provide a development pathway as much as we can. And when we can't, let's deal with things with a level of dignity where we're showing people who we are versus just saying and telling people who we are. Where did that come from when it comes to how are you going to deploy your people strategy? How did you land on that general philosophy versus what typically happens in an acquisition is, all right, we acquired you. We're going to strip everything down to the studs. We're going to take your tech and then the rest of you can beat it. I was fortunate to be in a business when we were looking at doing the acquiring side, we were looking for adjacent business, not duplicity of business. And so I think there is a challenge when you are looking for duplicity of business. I'm trying to buy your customer list or your IP. And I, I, that's all I need from you because I have people that can do that. I just need that technology, that customer entry. Where I was at, we were looking for a lot of agency business, things that were in line with the same technology, but maybe the, the, the time to market was going to be too long for us, or we hadn't proven out enough of a right to play in that space. And so we were able to go buy somebody that was a add-on for us to, to actually move us forward as a force multiplier versus doing something that was similar or the same. So it allowed us, when we looked at at what were the right opportunities for us. That's where we spent a lot of time. So it really went back to leadership and the board at that time, really focusing in on what we were trying to do from an M&A strategy and then executing, having a great M&A team to work the execution on finding those opportunities and bringing those two for evaluation. I, I really like how there's a coherent strategy when it comes to who you're going to acquire. We don't want duplication, our preferences, adjacency, so that we can expand market share. Now, that brings us to what we opened the conversation with, where if you want to build a culture of honest communication, a culture of trust, that requires alignment across all levels. So bring us behind the curtain and walk us through the process that you went through to get leadership aligned to have a cohesive vision and purpose going forward. And this, I think I can actually talk about prior and as well as my current at Summit Electric, because there's very similar issues that I think took place. Both of them, we had a leadership team, a senior leadership team that was very clear on who we wanted to be. We had a desire to, to be very cohesive when it comes to our, what our values are, 
What's our mission statement? What are we trying to accomplish? Who do we want to be? Who do we want to be known as? Having those pieces there as I think the framework allow us to start those conversations. I think the next step for us was really around when we go and actually work on, on communicating, whether it's a strategy, an acquisition play, a growth play for us, or maybe, you know what, it's just about getting better at what we do today. In a lot of instances, it's about laying down what is that, what does that vision look like? What is that picture of what we want to be, whatever we're communicating? And then being very clear about how we want to walk through a successful journey of it. And so it's communicating, bringing people through the conversations. But for this last year, really at, at Summit Electric, when most of our, of our executive team is brand new within the last 24 months, it's really about trying to win people over through being real and authentic and doing life with them to start with, to, to earn that trust on a very basic level of, you don't know me from anybody else. So let me tell you what I'm about. And then let me show spend some time showing you over the next couple of months. And hopefully through that showing of, of who I am, how we're going to communicate, things we're going to talk about, and then ultimately the follow-up on those items starts laying that groundwork for people to look at and say, you know what, there, there's something for us to believe in and this leadership team and the direction we're going. And then you're going to start building some of those little steps of, of follow. And then you have to keep executing. But it all comes down to, I think, being very human, right? Being very transparent in who you are. Don't put on a show because of a title or because you want people to be inspired or awed by something you're saying coming in, but it's being very authentic in who you are. Um, I think that worked when my previous company, we go through acquisitions and, and enter ourselves into to a, to a new opportunity um, and bring people on. It's worked, I think, so far in this last year here at Summit, where the whole leadership team is new and we're putting a new vision, a new mission of where we're trying to go and really work on bringing that into just being human. And, and then we have to stand by what we say. So we can't overpromise have to make sure that we're giving little things, but then delivering on them in order to, to keep building that trust over a period of time. I liked your emphasis on being authentic. What, where I'll challenge you is this. When you're talking about alignment across the leadership tier so that you can be unified in how you message and show up going forward, everybody that's in leadership has some level of ego. So there's going to be inevitably situations where there's disagreement. So what were the things that you did to overcome that disagreement or build consensus in enough of a way to make meaningful progress going forward? That's an interesting question. So when you think about ego, everyone's got one. It's about how you display that ego and does it get in the way or not, right? And that's what you're asking. I think, I think when I look at some of the situations, it takes the right, ultimate, the right leader, whoever is the top decision maker of, of, of those entities, really making sure that when we leave this room, that we're all one. Um, and if we were going to have a disagreement, or if we're going to have an argument, or if we're going to have any type of challenging conversation, we do it in a way that we can all hug when we leave the room. Can we go out and have dinner afterwards? And if so, and we can be productive, I think that there is an element of iron does sharpen iron. And so if we can challenge each other and we can work through some of the difficulties of some of the disagreements together, if we do it in a very productive way, it actually makes us a lot stronger and actually could move us a little bit faster along the line. At times, I think that's my job as an HR leader to work through. One of the things I think in a, in a very healthy organization, it's everybody's job to, to do that, right? It's everybody's job to check and challenge. Uh, and I don't think that's unique in, in, in a lot of companies. I think that the uniqueness is the ability to actually move on from that challenge. And I think that's where I've been fortunate when I look back and say, you know what, there's been some egos in there, obviously some very large egos, because we are, in a lot of cases in those rooms, we're type A personalities, right? We, we're determined to be successful, we're competitive, we want to win. 
And sometimes that want to win means, Dr. Jim, that's between you and me, right? One of us is going to have to win, one of us is going to lose. I think we have to make sure that we keep saying that the, the who's going to win, who's going to lose is we're all on the same team. So we as a team are going to win. And that's how we have to work on that mind frame. But I think it takes the right leadership team to call each other out. Fortunately, I, I've been able to see that at my last company and this company where I think we have a leadership team that is more than competent and more than capable of having those challenging conversations and move forward so that own personalities or own egos or own desires don't get in the way of what the, what is ultimately the right thing for us as a business perspective. All right, Micah. This has flown by. It's been a great conversation. And I think we're just scratching the surface at what we could actually talk about. But I want to wind this back and tie everything together to what we opened the show with. When you're looking at an uncertain environment and you want to create a culture of communication, a culture of trust, what are the things that people leaders need to be aware of? What's the framework that you would recommend that they follow to do a lot of the things that you did over the course of your various experiences as a as an HR leader. So what I'll say is uh, wrapping up from those last little thing, last little bits is really you spend a lot of money from an acquisition perspective if you're going to follow through and actually acquire a company. So you need to make sure your homework is done. For us, fortunately, we had a great team to work through all those elements. What I know from my experience with the ones that, that I was a part of, a lot of prep work went in, really doing our time to dig in, do due diligence that's required, ask the questions, look for alignment, look for fit, and then be very open when we come to day one and going forward of what those things are, what are our plans, what our intentions are. So again, we talked about transparency and open honest communication. There's already going to be uncertainty from the acquiring group. So being very clear with what we know, and if we don't know, just be very comfortable with saying, I don't know, we'll either work through that or we'll work to find an answer or you know what, that's something great for you to come on the journey with us and let's figure it out together. But from my experiences of the M&As that, that I was a part of, the vast majority of the employees that, that were acquired are still there today. They're still performing. The product and technology that was very attractive for us is growing. It's thriving in, in a customer environment. And I also know there were a large number of people or good handfuls of people that have been promoted up that had taken larger steps in their, in their career because of the opportunities that were forfeited of being acquired by a bigger company. And so I think that those things really say that, you know, if we stick to a game plan, if we work to be open and honest throughout that process, bring people along for that journey. Hey, you know what? You're part of this family now. So we can't be the only ones making the decisions. We have to do this as a group. And so where those things are, are available to you, you need to make sure that you're bringing them in just like you would your associates prior to that acquisition to make sure that those conversations are there. I think that when it came down to it, one of the things that worked out really well is looking for opportunities that fit who we were as a company. And so we're looking at synergies there from a culture aspect, going back to the very beginning of our conversation around recruitment, right? I think there's a lot of elements of looking for somebody that's got the, the intangibles of an organization that fit our intangibles. And if there's a skills gap or a locations gap, technology gap, we work to fit those um, in our own selves. The big thing that I take away from what you just described is that there's a decidedly human element to how you approach things. You can set up in two camps when you're, you're going through these motions. You can take the position that people like Tim Gurner of the Gurner Group takes where they're just where he's a private equity guy and a commercial real estate guy. Uh, and he's taken the position that, hey, employees need to understand their place and they need to understand that they work for us and that's what the relationship is. 
what you've described through the conversation sounds like 180 degrees opposite of that, where you're leading with the employee as a partner in the direction and the impact of the company. And I really appreciate that perspective because I think we've been jaded into believing that it's more likely that people take the disposable employee mindset. Before we wind down, where can people find you, Micah? Yeah, so I'm on LinkedIn. It's Micah Carlton, his first and last name. That's usually where I, I do most of my professional networking side of it. Outside of that, it's my own personal stuff. From a social network side, I usually leave that outside of it. But you can also find me at my current company at Summit Electric. So it's summitelectricsupply.com. And you can find all the things that we're doing there and my, more information about me on our homepage there. Thanks for hanging out with us, Micah. I think uh, when I think about this conversation that we've had, there are three big things that stand out to me that I think any people, anybody that's a people leader should have in mind. One, and this sounds so cliche, but you should lead with being human. Look at things from a people to people, person to person perspective versus just a, a line item in a spreadsheet perspective. That was an important thing that I pulled out of the conversation. But there's two other things that really stand out. And it's these questions. When you're trying to do something, when you're trying to make impact, when you're trying to do change management, these two questions should drive your behavior. Who do you want to be and how do you want to be remembered? How you answer those questions is going to determine what sort of organization you're building, what level of trust you have, what level of cohesion you have, how engaged your people are. And that's really a, a, a few of the things that came out of this conversation. Micah, I appreciate you hanging out and sharing uh, your insights and your experience with us. I think the listeners are going to get a great amount of uh, value out of what we talked about. For those of you who have uh, checked out the conversation Leave us a review and tune in next time where we'll have another leader coming on the show to talk about the game-changing realizations that they had, which helped them build a high-performing team. Thanks for listening to this episode of the HR Impact Show. We hope you liked the conversation. Don't forget to continue supporting us by joining the HR Impact community. You can find the community at www.engagerocket.co slash HR Impact. Tune in next time where we'll have another guest who's going to share with us the game-changing insights that help them build high-performing teams.